week, tried to be very smart about how you put the plan together. Obviously had an offseason this year, so that was different. But feel like the guys have a good understanding of what we're doing on all three sides of the ball. Now's the time to compete. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Tonight is your chance to get a detailed peek behind the scenes from team headquarters in Berea. And you'll find out how the Browns are prepping for this week's game. This is the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Good evening and welcome to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Nathan Zagura alongside the three-time, three-time, three-time Super Bowl champion, Gerard Cherry and Gerard... We would like to be doing a joyous show, talking about a 2-0 and Browns team that put on for 58 minutes a, a clinic at First Energy Stadium against the New York Jets. But we're talking about a 1-1 and football team, and we will turn the page. We'll be on to the Steelers quickly, but let's go back to that game, and, and let's just talk about how you as a player put that in the rearview mirror, make sure it doesn't happen again, and get focused to get back on the right track against the Steelers. Well, you're right, Nathan, and I'll add the extra five seconds. In 58 minutes and five seconds, it was all looking great for us. <laughs> for us. But with that being said, it's really simple. It's a long season. It's a marathon. Granted, you don't want to stumble along the way and have a situation where you put yourself back from a time consideration. We're going to make a comparison with a marathon. But at the same time, it's a short week, and it couldn't happen in a better week because you don't have to think about it and lull on it all week. You have to move forward because right on the horizon is the Pittsburgh Steelers. So that actually helps the cause. But in the process of that, obviously we saw shades of this the previous week in Carolina and rearing his ugly head against the Jets. So what you say is, one, first and foremost, I am going to make sure that I am doing my job. That's personal accountability. And then second thing, which is just as important, is making sure that I am going to communicate to make sure that everybody else is on the same page and doing my job. It's really that simple. And making sure I don't do it for 58, excuse me, 50. 55 minutes and 5, or whatever it was, 58 minutes and 5 seconds, but I'm actually going to do it for 60 minutes. That's really what it boils down to. It's that simple, but yet it can be that daunting. And also, too, just making sure we're cleaning up the little things and not using the excuse of, well, we didn't have much of a preseason. That's why you have your playbook. That's why they give you these pads to take them home and to go over mentally what you need to do. And if need be, Nathan, call your teammate that you've been having issues with from a communication standpoint and talk through. The other day, you and I, we were talking about football, right? We we're going yep. through cover four and what that represents. You could do the exact same thing with your teammate. Hey, dog, I was looking at this cover two, and your drop right here. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. And when you start doing things like that, you build rapport. There's nothing wrong with doing that and not worrying about, okay, well, how are they going to perceive me? Who cares? Make sure you're on the right page. No, you're exactly right. They need to be on the right page. And, and you know this. They do do that kind of stuff. They get quizzes uh, throughout right. the week on the game plan, on the play calls. And so this is something that should not have happened, and yet it has happened. Take me inside of your experience in this league with, with Bill Belichick, for example. Something like this happened with Bill Belichick two weeks in a row. Uh, what, how is that handled? Uh, in a very draconian manner and fashion. You're sitting down. You're not playing. Your playing time is being taken away from you. You might get 
benched or you might get cut, depending on the level of right. severity of the infraction. Because definitely conduct detrimental by not knowing what to do. So you would not be rewarded with more playing time, that's for sure. So that's how he handled things. Different game now. People aren't as draconian or mean or as, sure. as they once were in the past. Different way of approaching these players. And I get that, but there has to be a level of fear that, hey, I can't go out there and make them same mistakes that I've made in a previous week that cost my team almost a football game. So Bill would handle it that way, and I'm pretty much sure that Bill in this day and age would still handle that way. You just can't tolerate those type of mistakes because the game is so precious, and you really have to yep. convey to guys, these. this is like losing gold, and you're on your last yep. dime. And that's how you have to perceive it and see it in that light. And have that sense of urgency. So whatever Coach Stefanski and Joe Woods and company can do to get these, and Coach Preford, to get these guys to understand that this is precious. You can't waste opportunities when they present themselves because it will come back and bite you. Yeah, and it did for this Cleveland Browns team. And then last one, just kind of talking about accountability amongst the players because so many people right now are coming out about Joe Woods and coming after the Browns' defensive coordinator. I'm just as Nathan's a girl, in my opinion, I think that's hard. Like, Joe mm-hmm. Woods isn't playing. Joe Woods isn't blowing coverages. The, there's got to be some accountability, I think, amongst the players. And I know we'll talk, we'll hear from Greg Newsom later. They got together and they hashed it out amongst themselves in addition to their meetings with the coaches and the team. Right. And the easy thing is to say, this coach is struggling. It's the coach's fault. And granted, it is, is it the coach's responsibility to make sure that guys are prepared and ready to go? But you know, like I know, heck, you know even better that they are going over these coverages. They are giving these guys, as you mentioned earlier, quizzes. Guys are being informed. And I know the guys in the secondary in particular are really good defensive back coaches. I've watched them all training camp. I've observed their techniques. I've observed the things that they said to them. And they're telling these guys the right thing. But it becomes a point in place in time where you have – the onus being put and has to be put on the player to be responsible yep. for knowing what the heck is going on. Blown coverages, you want to blame it on coaches, but ultimately that MIA, which means a mental mistake, is on the player. And you have to put it there and not try to blame it on the coaches. Now, if it's a situation where you're getting out schemed, Nathan, and sure, and, and absolutely, and you don't, and basically the coach is coaching circles around you, and you have no answer, and you're basically on the ropes constantly, and you can't get your guys in the right formation or the right that's situations. Coaching. That's different. That's when you start having yep. issues and problems. No doubt. All right, let's talk about the positives in this game, though, and they're all on the offensive side of the ball. Jacoby Brissett, 22 of 27, 229 yards, one touchdown. Nick Chubb, 87 and three scores on the ground. Kareem Hunt, 58 yards rushing. The Browns rush for 184, averaging five yards a carry. Amari Cooper, 10 targets, nine catches, 101 yards, and a touchdown. This offense put up 30 points a week after putting up 26. Jacoby Brissett was sharp. They looked phenomenal on, in this game against the Jets, and that's something that certainly is a positive. You're right, and that's definitely something that you can build upon and you want to keep that momentum going. Now we just need the special teams unit along with the defense to be consistent to make plays. And I would say even more so on the special teams that they need to be more on point. But obviously the defense with these two or three play collapses that put teams back in the game, that's a major issue and a major problem that has to be fixed because the sad part about it is you played well enough on the defensive side to beat this Jets team, but you, again, let them back in on busted plays, and that's the most frustrating part, the busted plays. Now, granted, you go to the special team side of the ball, Nathan, we get it. We understand that these guys did an excellent play call on the fake, and 
again, they outperform us on the on the onside kick. But I will agree with you. If you're going to look for a positive and everybody else, if everyone else in this football team from a phase standpoint can play to the same level that our offense played and the way in which our offense dictated and dominated that football game against the Jets, we are one heck of a football team. Yeah, there's no doubt 56 points scored by this offense so far through two weeks. All right, you mentioned it. Quick turnaround. Here come the Pittsburgh Steelers. They are 1-1, one and one, just coming off of a loss at home, 17-14 to 14 to your team, the New England Patriots. They don't have T.J. Watt. With T.J. Watt, week one, seven sacks. Week two, no T.J. Watt against New England, no sacks. Right. A completely different-looking defense. They Actually, New England was able to run the football on right. them. The mm-hmm. Steelers seem a lot of talent on offense. Right now, the talk in Pittsburgh is, why won't Mitch Trubisky throw the ball down the field? They have not been very good. They are 1-1. One and one. They got a big win week one against the Bengals. Last week, they did not look great. And there's already talk about Kenny Pickett, should he take over for Mitch Trubisky. Right. They entered the season with that conversation. I hold to the, the mantra that, hey, if you're talking about you have two quarterbacks that are competing, you really don't have one at, one at all. Yep. Because that just creates a sense of... Divide on a, in a locker room like, okay, he should be playing. Other guys know he should be playing. And then they start getting the camps of who are you, Team Pickett or are you Team Trubisky? So that poses a problem. But the offensive woes for the Steelers have definitely shown and reared their ugly head. Because when you look at their receiving core with Chase Claypool along with Deontay Johnson and then the rookie as well, he's doing some – he has the ability to do some stuff as well. So you say to yourself, yep. how in the world – I'm talking about George Pickens – Yep. How are they struggling the way they are? But there obviously is a, a disconnect between the vertical passing game right now with Trubisky. And the running attack is really what I believe, Nathan, is the strong suit for the Steelers. And I think Najee Harris only averaged 3.3 yards last week. And that's anemic to say the least. Yeah, he's averaging 3.3 yards last week, 2.9 for the season. They haven't been able to get anything going on the ground. And that offensive line, to their credit, they have done a good job in pass protection, but they have not done a good job run blocking thus far. You mentioned Trubisky. Here are the stats because it's it's really wild. On passes of 10 yards or less, he's 33 of 43 for 198 yards, one touchdown. 43 attempts, 10 yards or less in the air. He's only tried 13 passes from 10 to 19 yards. He's 6 of 13 for 90 yards, a touchdown and an interception. Only 10 passes, more than 20 yards in the air, 3 of 10 for 74 yards. So he really has been a check down Charlie, averaging just 5.1 yards per attempt, second worst in the NFL for Mitch Trubisky. And that's why they haven't been able to get them going. Claypool's averaging 5.5 yards a catch. And I, Lord knows his his. His description is a big play down the field wide receiver in the mold of a Plaxico Burris and other guys that have come through there to that big heck, even go back to Lynn Swan if you really want to go old school, far as stretching the field and making big plays. But you know what that speaks of when you talk about Trubisky and those numbers you just said, Nathan? Yep. It tells me that either he's being told not to take chances and to play a very conservative approach because they don't have confidence in him, or the fact that he realizes that Pickett is on the cusp of taking over. He's just being cautious and being careful, and in the process, you get these anemic numbers. Hence, again, why you do not want to have a situation where, one, you bring a guy who had issues in Chicago where he got replaced. Now you put him in the same scenario in Pittsburgh, and you think he's going to be comfortable. It's hard to overcome that type of stuff when you know people don't fully support you and have your back, and that's what he's going against. So he'd rather not take any chances and be, as you just said, check down Charlie, and that's why you get these woeful numbers. 
Yeah, the Browns are averaging 200.5 yards rushing per game. The Steelers are averaging 255 yards of offense, period, per game so far in 2022. The Browns averaging over 5 yards a carry. The Steelers averaging 4.3 yards a play on offense. They are struggling mightily. Now, the Browns' defense, though, is banged up going into this one, Gerard. We already know Jadevian Clowney out with an ankle. Chase Winovich placed on injured reserve today with a hamstring injury, as well as tight end Jesse James. But the big news out of Berea today, Miles Garrett did not practice in the team's only official practice before Thursday night. Joel Batonio didn't practice either, but the, the, I think they're pretty comfortable and confident he will go. If Miles Garrett is out, the Browns are left with rookies Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas plus Isaac Rochelle likely to be elevated or brought to the 53-man roster off the practice squad. And that's it. That's the list. Mitch Trubisky's been terrible under pressure this year, but the Browns will not have a proven edge rusher if Miles is not ready for this game. Well, that means we're going to tip our hand. We already know what we're going to have to do. We're going to have to become Cleveland Blitzburg and get the job done that way. And this is where those DBs are going to have to step up and play man coverage like they've never played before. And for this week, understand, the onus is going to be on you to play shutdown like corner technique and stop these guys because without Miles in the game, without Jadavion in, in the game, I saw it last week. We had a yeah. hard time generating a pass rush. Now, hopefully there could be some guy like that could emerge from our deepest line from the reserves. But I haven't seen it yet to the level to where it would have to be. But it's always obviously a possibility. So in my mind, you got to step up if you're Hall. you got to step up if you're Bryant. you got to step up if you're Elliott. And those are interior guys I just named as well. And then you have the other, Thomas. You have to step up. Take advantage of your opportunities in the situation, Nathan. But in my mind, what you're going to see take place will be blitz left, blitz right. And the DBs this week will have to just, hey, we're not zoning it. We're playing man coverage, so everyone who's a defensive back who has cornerback or safety next to their name, get prepared to have a lot of one-on-one, man, no man free, zero coverage take place because that will have to be the way in which we go about attacking this team and putting pressure on Trubisky. If you let him sit back there, we're going to revitalize this guy, and he's going to have an explosive night, and I don't want that to be us. No, we don't want that at all. By the way, Trubisky against the Blitz this year, 33% completions, 3.9 yards per attempt, and a quarterback rating of just 68. Be part of one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. Join the Browns season ticket member waitlist today for the best chance at securing tickets for all home games in the future seasons. Don't miss out. Go to clevelandbrowns.com slash tickets or call 440-891-5050 to reserve your spot today. When we come back, the head coach of the Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski, joins the show. You are listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Joined now by the head coach of your Cleveland Browns, Kevin Stefanski. Coach how do you process what happened on Sunday, flush it, and get ready for a game on Thursday? Well, you have to do it. I mean, you got to do it immediately. It's just how the schedule is set up for us. So uh, you have so many hours to watch the tape, make the corrections, talk through it, own it, all those type of things. But then we got a big game Thursday night, and we cannot let what happened Sunday linger. we we got a division opponent, and we got to be ready to go. 
Right, let's talk just real quickly the state of the team in terms of health going into this. We know Jadevian Clowney, Chase Winovich are out. Jesse James is out as well. And now Miles doesn't practice today. Overall, how are we health-wise and specifically uh, what's it looking like for Miles? Yeah, I think we'll see. You know, these Thursday night games are always battles for these guys to make it to Thursday night. There's just it's those normal weeks. It's, it's hard to make it to Sunday for some guys on normal weeks. So you throw in Thursday and it becomes a challenge. And uh, fortunately, we'll use every one of these hours and see how these guys do. When you look at that edge room, in the event that you didn't have Miles with Clowney and Winovich, you're down to Alex Wright and Isaiah Thomas on the 53, Isaac Rochelle on the practice squad. How would you kind of look to that room? There'd be a couple of rookies in pretty prominent spots. You know, honestly, it's really every room. <laughs> you, you just you have your depth chart, and you have the guys that have to be ready to go. I mean, some we're counting on some young guys in different spots. Uh, you got some veterans uh, in in each one of these rooms that you count on uh, if you need them, and that's kind of the nature of the NFL. Certainly, over the course of a 17 game season, but definitely the nature of Thursday night football. Uh, I can remember back to some days at the Vikings. We had a Thursday night game. We couldn't even dress the total 48. We didn't have that many guys available to to us due to injury. So that's that's what you're fighting in a given week, and, and I believe the opponent's fighting the same thing. It's just, can you make it to Thursday? Are you optimistic about Miles, or is it a just a total we'll see at this point? We'll see. Okay. All right. Let's go now and talk about some positives that came out of Sunday. This offense was spectacular. I thought Jacoby Brissett was phenomenal. The ground game wore them down as it went on. Amari Cooper looked like the guy you brought in to be your number one receiver. What can you take away from that offensive performance? Yeah, I think you just try to be as honest about what happens on Sundays as you can and there's always things that we want to clean up offense defense special teams for the offense I thought move the ball pretty well uh, tried stayed out of third down on a, on a few of the drives, and then when we did get in the third down, I thought the guys executed at a really high level. Uh, particularly the quarterback uh, made some plays with his feet, got the ball uh, quick or on time to the to the guys through his progression. So I thought as a unit they really operated really well. How nice is it to have an Amari Cooper, the guy that when you need a big play, you need a third down, you can go to him. He creates incredible separation with his route running. And, you know, week one we didn't get to see as much of it, but last week he was clearly the guy and delivered in a big way. Yeah, he did. You know, I, I do go back to week one. Uh, he got tackled a few times. <laughs> so that was one way to cover him where people just put their hands around right. him and held him. Uh, so he's a very difficult cover for DBs one-on-one. Uh, and we know that. So he's going to get attention from the safeties. He's going to get attention from linebackers. And, and people, got to, as they cover him, are going to know where their help is. All right. Defensively, end of the game, we know that there was obviously a breakdown. But overall, what did you see from your defense? Positive and then Outside of the breakdowns, which it's obvious that needs to be cleaned up, what needs to get better? Yeah, I mean, we're just bottom line in football. You've got to score more points than the other team. And right now we're just giving up too many points. Uh, And we know that there's there's some... uh, Inopportune times for some miscommunications that are leading to points, and, and that's that's a very very big deal. Something that we have to get fixed. Uh, we're we're working on it. We're we're changing some things up in what we do in order to address it. Uh, and then at the end of the day, we just need to play the defense call. And that's as simple as it sounds, but really the messaging f- throughout our defense and coaches, players, you name it, we just got to play what's called uh, and understand that not every defense doesn't take away every play on offense. For instance, you play three deep, you're going to avoid the flats. You need to rally and make a tackle. You play cloud, you're going to give some things up underneath in the middle of the field. you got to rally and make a tackle. So uh, at the end of the day, you're not going to 
uh, hold them to no yards, uh, but we just got to do a better job of, of understanding where we fit in the defense and playing what's called. How much discussion has there been of situational awareness? And I think you could go back to up, you know, nine, six minutes ago against Carolina, go in this game, they have no timeouts, a minute 55. Like, if you're wrong in coverage and it be, the result is that you give up a 12 yard out, like, so what? The one thing we can't do is let the ball go over our head, and, and we've done that now in back-to-back weeks. Has there been some talk about that, and what's kind of been the players' response to that? Yeah, obviously there is, and it's you know it's frustrating to watch. Uh, I get it, and I can understand the frustration of our fans in those moments, and, and uh, we just got to get it cleaned up. It's just it's the, the truth of the matter is we can't have the ball going over our head when we know that they're passing the ball. We know that it's a passing situation. They have to get chunks. They have to score quickly. Um, we just have to play better there. And it's interesting, right, because as you said, you talked about defense, but no defenses involve guys going uncovered. So people, oh, the coaches need to... At some point, it's execution, and, and it's a combination of everybody, right? It's your preparations for the moment, but in the moment, players are the ones playing, and they've got to execute. And if this team can execute in those moments, we have a chance to do something pretty impressive this year. Yeah, we just got to own it. It just goes back to it takes everybody, offense, defense, special teams. It takes players. It takes coaches. And um, when we win, we, we share in those things, and when we lose, we share in it as well. We have an opportunity to go out and get another one. Steelers, division game, first in the AFC North. An opportunity to maintain your your standing on top of the division here. What do you see from this team? Let's start with the Steelers' offense. Again, much similar in some ways to the Jets. Three very talented wide receivers, talented in the backfield. A quarterback on another team, but maybe not the same kind of arm as Flacco. But what do you see from that Steelers' offense? Yeah, it's a, it's a difficult attack, and they're, they're definitely playing – uh, you know, it's a Matt Canada offense with Mitch Trubisky in there. There's a lot of jet sweep, a lot of misdirection. You mentioned they have some really good players on the perimeter, really good slot, I think a really good tight end. Uh, so they have a bunch of different ways that they can beat you uh, on first, second, and third down. And then Trubisky is a really, really good athlete. I mean, I, I got to see him in, when he was in Chicago and I was in Minnesota those years. He can really move around and hurt you with his feet. Uh, let's flip it over to their defensive side of the ball. Their offense has struggled some, and hopefully that will continue Thursday night. Defensively, you think of the Steelers, and the first thing you think of is T.J. Watt. Now they still have some other great players. Hayward, Minka Fitzpatrick, you could go on there. But big loss for them, good for us. What do you see from this defense now that they don't have T.J. Watt and they still are really trying to get after the quarterback and be aggressive? Yeah, they still they have a bunch of good players. I mean, Alex Highsmith is playing at a really yep. high level along their front. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick's playing as well as a safety can play uh, right now. He's a ball hawk. He can show up anywhere, as we've learned. Uh, playing him over the course of these last few years, he can really line up anywhere. He's got corner ability as he played earlier in his career. He can play that. He can patrol the middle of the field. He can play down low. So uh, he's a guy that you have to know know where he is uh, when you're playing the quarterback position, but it's a great scheme. They, they, uh, they play a physical brand of football that we're going to have to match. How different is it for you week one, week two? You go against fronts very similar to what you've seen all in training camp, and now you get this 3-4, the stand-up on the outside linebackers, five guys on the line, their ability to really be physical against the run game. How, do you, how does that impact you know, our offense and, then, and how you called the offense? Yeah, well, having Face this team, you know, over the years now, uh, we, we kind of we understand their fronts, and they play multiple fronts. They they do a nice job. They do play the five and line of scrimmage and their base odd front, but they play plenty of even fronts and over fronts where it's four down uh, out of the same personnel. So you really have to be ready for anything when you're playing a Steelers defense. Uh, you got to be ready for their nickel to all personnel. You got to be ready for their base to all personnel. So they they definitely make you work. 
last year, going into a Thursday night game, you were coming off of a tough one at home. You got the Thursday night game at home, and we're able to go out there and deliver against the Denver Broncos. If you kind of brought up, look, we were able to do this very similar situation last year, rally, get it done, let's do it again this week. Yeah, I think the guys know what's at stake. You know, it's a division opponent uh, at our place, Thursday night football, so uh, it's going to be an electric crowd down there. I think the guys uh, really understand what's at stake. Coach, thank you so much for the time. Best of luck getting it right back on track quickly here Thursday night against the Steelers. Thanks, Nathan. All right, we'll be back with more of the Kevin Stefanski Show all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Welcome back to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Very happy to be joined now by Browns cornerback Greg Newsom. And Greg, let's just start and get this over with. We can move forward real quickly. You guys watch the tape. You know what you have to clean up. What was kind of the tone and, and the kind of the messaging in your meeting room, in your position room, to get this fixed so that we can go take care of business like we know we can? Um, it's honestly just to, you know, have practice be the game you know when we go through walkthroughs have it be crisp have it be sound have everyone you know paying attention and you know really just to lock in i feel like if we do that it should be an easy fix are we like with the hand signals i saw the awok gave the hand signal and most everybody got it on that one play is there now kind of something in place like all right everybody acknowledge the hand signals or anything like that yeah we're just going to try to you know over communicate so corners look at safety safety look at corner Mike look at lot, like everything so you know that's just what we're going to try to do uh, you don't want to put too many signals on tape all the time as well either because then you know obviously the offense may know but you know we got to find some way we're still trying to figure it out of you know not necessarily having hand signals every week but just making sure we actually make eye contact when we're talking to each other all right, so that's going to get cleaned up. And now this defense has an opportunity, as we've talked about at the beginning of the year, to be special. We've seen flashes of that through two weeks. When you guys kind of go back and watch yourselves, take those the blown plays out of it. That doesn't matter. What have you seen in the regular defense that you like, and what have you seen that you guys want to improve? I feel like we're elite. You know, other than those, like you said, those busted coverages, I feel like we've been playing great football. Um, you know, even week two, Obviously, you know, he ended with 300-some yards. The first half, he had 100 yards. Like, we just got to clean up some stuff, and most of that came in the fourth quarter. Then, you know, you go back to week one, once again, didn't really have that many yards, blown coverage, a lot of yards. So I think we've been doing a lot of things great. Um, but at the end of the day, you got to stay consistent, um, and you got to, you know, do it for four quarters. You can't do it for three quarters. You can't do it for three quarters in ten minutes. you got to play the whole, you know, 60-minute football game. So uh, that's what we're looking to accomplish next. All right, the next opportunity comes with the Pittsburgh Steelers coming to town Thursday night back at home. And last year, look, you guys had a rough one. And then you had a Thursday night against Denver that came right after it. We're able to get it done. How do you kind of draw on that, turn the page, and get ready for a big game? Man, Steelers week. Um, so I think it's, it's pretty easy. You know, if, if you're not hyped, you know you know the history between the Browns and the Steelers. So if you're not hyped to play in that game, you're not going to be hyped to play. Um, so it's like rivalry week in, uh, in, in college. So... Uh, you know, we're super hyped. We know our fans will be there to support us. Um, and, you know, we're just looking to go get that dub. Similar to the Jets, who I thought had a, a very good receiving trio with Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, and then Garrett Wilson. So do the Steelers. Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, the rookie George Pickens, good tight end, Fryermuth. How do you guys kind of prepare for that group and, and some of the new things they're doing this year? Yeah, you know, it's just to, you know, watch film. Obviously, it's a short week, so, you know, you got to really get on your film study as much as you can. And, you know, at the end of the day, 
you got to just do our job, and that's, you know, contest balls and, you know, win our one-on-ones. That, that's the message, win your one-on-one. Because obviously it's more of a short week, so it's hard to, you know, get in all the film that you normally get in, in a full week's time. So, you know, at the end of the day, you know, it might be some stuff that we don't see, that we don't game plan, but at the end of the day, we got to win our one-on-ones. Deontay Johnson is one of the better route runners in the league and the guy who can create separation. What makes him so tough to deal with? Yeah, first of all, he's not you know, that big receiver. So that's already a, a challenge in itself. He's already lower than you. Uh, it's hard to put hands on a guy like that. He's super quick. He's super fast. Um, and I said last year, I feel like he was the best one that I went against last year. So um, he's definitely a great receiver, and, you know, we're looking forward to that matchup. When you watch them and the things that you have watched, feels like a lot of misdirection, a lot of jets, a lot of trying to flow you one way, get the ball back the other way. What What's different about that from what you've seen in the past with the Steelers' offense? Yeah, um, you know, Big Ben wasn't as mobile as Mitch. So um, it's a lot more, you know, boots and, and things like that uh, and letting Mitch get out of the pocket. Uh, so that's something you definitely got to prepare for. And then, I mean, it's kind of sort of like the Jets offense, a lot of, you know, stuff to get your eyes in the wrong, you know, position and, and then try to work after that. So um, at the end of the day, we're going to, this is going to be a real game to show our communication is there and, you know, our eyes are good. All right, and I know that it's going to be. Let's talk just for a second about you guys in there, in that room. Did you guys come together at all and say, "Look, we're too good for this"? Like we we know how talented we are. We got to go out there and prove it. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we had a defensive meeting um, before. You know, a full defensive meeting. We had a players meeting, um, and just talk about things. Um, and I think the 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 best part about it all, honestly, is you know people are mad about stuff like that. You know, there are some teams who. You know, are used to that. Like we're not used to that, and, and we see all the talent that we have in the room. So things like that, it, it, it should hurt us, and it, you know, and we should be mad about it. But I think we'll get it fixed. And it's, it's only week two. That's that's the you know good thing about it. And you know, the fact that people are that mad this early is is honestly a positive sign. It, it shows that people are bought in and, and know that we have a really good football team. And we have a chance to prove it on Thursday night. For sure, we we will do that. Greg, thanks so much for the time. Good luck. Yeah, appreciate it. All right, that's Greg Newsom, Brown's second-year cornerback, and we had to have a little bit of a tough conversation. It's not certainly what I like to do, but we had to address the elephant in the room there. And, Gerard, what I came away from that was with two things. One, people are pissed about what happened, and justifiably so, just as fans are, just as everybody who likes the Cleveland Browns. It's good to hear that there's that kind of emotion in the locker room to me. And two, they had a players-only meeting. I'm not a player, wasn't a player. What does it mean? Now that we go a lot of ways with that, Gerard, it's good. We'll go ahead and stop laughing now. But what does that mean in your mind? What does that tell you when you have a players-only meeting? And what are those like? What do they entail? I'm laughing, Nathan, because normally I suggest that it's one of the worst things you could possibly have is a players-only meeting. But in some situations, they are actually a positive. And when it comes off of a one in which you lose a game, in two weeks in a row you find yourself in this scenario, talk it out. Hold guys accountable because ultimately it comes down to that. Being accountable. No one is bigger than the team. And guys need to know that and be addressed on that, that you need to do your job. You freelancing, you doing your own thing and blowing coverages is not going to cut it. We're not going to tolerate that. Granted, we're not responsible for your paycheck going into your bank account, but we are responsible for respecting you and wanting you to be a part of this thing we call a football team. And if you're going to remain respected by your teammates and wanted here, you need to step up. 
And that's really what the best thing that can come out of these meetings. The worst thing that can come out of these meetings if guys is going there just yelling for the sake of yelling, which I've been in, in part of that before, to where nothing gets done is just a, a chance to express your feelings and act like you really care. So ultimately, it's about holding guys accountable and taking the information from that and moving forward. You do do just what you're supposed to do, which is your job, and again, giving it your all and being committed. Week two of them having this meeting is a good thing. Because I definitely don't want this to continue for the long term because ultimately it's going to get you beat again if you keep doing it. So, again, a player's meeting can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. But it sounds like to me, based on what Greg had to say, it was a positive. Yeah, look, this is the ultimate team sport. And you know as well as anybody, on a defense and in a secondary, everybody must be on the same page. And if there are checks, and as you know, motions cause checks, Everybody's got to get the check, and everybody's got to be on the same page. And so that's something that these guys, and we'll be honest, look, this is the same starting corners. MJ Emerson's new, but other than that, Denzel, Greg, Greedy, who has not played yet this year, but right. he's around, and then John, Grant, Ronnie, it's the same guys. A, the linebackers are the same. Your back seven is the same. In fact, your whole defense is the same other than your defensive tackles from a year ago. Right. So th- these things can't be happening, and I think no. they know that, and they're going to try to get it figured out. You know, they know try to. They have to get it figured they out. They must. They better right. figure it out because if you don't, some changes need to be made there. You're exactly right, and we don't want any changes to be made on this show. It is time for us to take a break. We're going to do that, and if you ever wonder why they send three or four players out for the coin toss, maybe it's because sometimes it's better to have a teammate with you. That's true for gambling also. Gambling alone can get you in trouble. So keep it social, keep it fun, and get more tips like this at KeepItFunOhio.com. When we come back, we're going to go around the league. A lot going on. A busy NFL week, as always. You're listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. For me, I'm just trying to make the right decision for each of our players. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Back to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Time now to go around the league. But first, if you're going to Sunday's game, Thursday's game, get into First Energy Stadium quicker on game days with Express Access presented by Root Insurance. Enroll for free today to enter through exclusive lanes at each gate. Plus, each game you use Express Access at First Energy Stadium, you'll be automatically entered for a chance to win Browns autographed merchandise. Go to the Tickets tab in the Browns mobile app to learn more. All right, let's go around the league right now, Gerard. And we're going to start with the undefeated teams in the NFL. Miami, Buffalo, Kansas City, Philly, who we saw for those joint practices, the Giants, and Tampa Bay. Which is the worst 2-0 team in your mind? Uh, the group you just named. I'm going to have to say the Miami Dolphins. And granted, it was impressive what they did against the Ravens and coming back in that dramatic fashion. It's two of throwing six touchdowns in the process of getting the job done. But the running game has not been that great. And they gave up a lot of points on the defensive side to Lamar Jackson. So I'm going to have to say out of that group of two, though they're moving up the charts in my mind, the Dolphins are the least of that 2-0, squ- 2-0 squads that you just put out there. 
I would agree with you of the 2-0 and teams in the AFC. I think Buffalo's the best team in the NFL right now. Kansas mm-hmm. City's very good. And then you've got the Miami Dolphins. But Philly looks great. Mm-hmm. Tampa doesn't look great, but they're still Tampa. To mm-hmm. me, it's the Giants. Like I think if Philly played the Giants, I, I would like. I, I mean, if Miami played the Giants, I'd like Miami's chances against the Giants. I just Tyreek Hill, Waddle, the talent they've got there, mm-hmm. a good defense. The Giants, they've gotten it done. You got to give them credit. Brian Dables found a way. Now it wasn't very pretty, and I think the Titans aren't that great. And it certainly wasn't pretty in beating the Panthers. But that, that's the team to me yeah. that stands out. Yeah, and that's fair, and I would agree with that. If you say NFC team, I would certainly say yep. the Giants out of the two because they, and we, I mean, they took Baker Mayfield and the Panthers down to the wire, and then last week, to their credit, they beat the Titans. Yeah, and that was a close contested game, but heck, the Titans didn't help the cause because last night. The Buffalo Bills made them look beyond suspect, and I'm worried about my man's job if this continues, and I'm talking about Mike Rabel. Yeah, and I, I almost think, and this might be, people might think this is a bit premature, but if I'm the Tennessee Titans right now, I am trying to send, because New Orleans, Jameis Winston's got that back issue now. He looked terrible in that game against uh, yeah, the, uh, the three Bucks. Three picks, if I'm mistaken. Three yeah. picks, and doesn't he have like four broken bones in his back, something insane yeah. like that? I'd be shopping Ryan Tannehill. Our window is closed. It's done. I'm sorry. It's over for the Tennessee Titans. Mm-hmm. I'm shopping Ryan Tannehill. I'm trying to get something out of New Orleans. Maybe they're interested in bringing him in to kind of help steer that ship there. Maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers say, look, no, we don't, we're not ready for Kenny Pickett yet, but we think we have a good defense. Ryan Tannehill with those receivers, he could run this offense better than Mitch Trubisky. Hmm. And then I'm turning it over to Malik Willis. I, I think it's your on to 2023 for the and Tennessee beyond. Titans. Yeah. No play out. They have no playmakers on offense. No. Other than Derrick Henry. They got rid of all their good receivers. I don't know. They don't look very good to you me know at be- all. But what problem with that is, though, Nathan, is that what's going to be tempting and challenging is that the AFC South is so suspect yep. that who knows? I mean, the Jaguars sent a good chance of winning this thing. I agree. <laughs> they really I do. couldn't agree more. And by what a, what a difference a year with a Doug Peterson or two weeks with Doug Peterson makes compared to a year with <laughs> Urban Meyer. Right. All right, let's turn it around. The best 0-2 team, the 0-2 teams, Atlanta, Carolina, the Raiders, the Titans, and the Bengals. I'm going to go ahead and say the Raiders are the better of the 0-2 teams. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for Josh and company to get connected and get on the same page. I am not feeling the Bengals. You've spent all this money to do what? Shore up your offensive line. you got dudes doing commercials talking about his security guard is here and all this other type of stuff. And the dude's been nothing but a turnstile as far as <laughs> Burrow gets yeah. sacked. On average, what, four sacks a game, something like that crazy? No, so, I think he's been sacked, I think it's 13 times. It's crazy, right there, to say the least. So I'm definitely saying the Raiders out of the group that you just mentioned is the better of the teams. They just got to find a way to win. They sh- they could have beaten the Chargers, and they should have beaten the Arizona Cardinals. Either, neither, or both. Which quarterback are you buying more through two games, Tua Tungavailoa or Jalen Hurts? I am buying both. I'm buying Jalen based on the composure and the ability that I saw to operate within and outside the pocket last night to get the job done in a very dominant fashion against the Minnesota Vikings. And then Tua, we've been saying for the – I'll speak for myself. I've been saying for the past year or two, the guy can't throw either. Look at him now. He looks phenomenal. He threw six touchdowns. Dan Marino and Bob Greasy-esque type of things. So you have to be impressed with that. 
You've got to be. I'm still not sold. I think that you saw him <laughs> underthrow Tyreek Hill a few times in that game. Jalen, he's got phenomenal receivers, and he's got an unbelievable play caller in Mike McDaniel. But he's been he's been good, and if he can continue that, they can be good. But I think the reason that you said Miami earlier is the worst 2-0 team is Tua. Let's be honest about it. Jalen Hurts absolutely looks like the real deal. Finally, through two weeks, Bills, uh, I think, it, unless you disagree, I think it's clear they're the best team in the NFL Bob right question. now. Who's number two for you? I am going to actually go with the Kansas City Chiefs. I think they're yep. right on their heels as well. They're playing motivated because everyone's doubting them, and Tariq Hill was a catalyst to get them fired up for greatness. Yeah, I think it's the Chiefs or the Chargers. Now, the Chiefs did beat the Chargers right. at Arrowhead, but if you watch that game, sure felt like the Chargers should have won it. Yeah, Pick six down there. Changes the game. I like that Chargers team a lot, but I think those two teams are definitely the next two in line. Be sure to stop by the free Twisted Tea Tailgate pregame party prior to every home game. Twisted Tea Tailgate is located on the west side of First Energy Stadium and combines the atmosphere of a beer garden with live music, food, and drink options, along with areas for socializing. The tailgate opens four hours prior to kickoff and is open to fans with a ticket to the game. When we come back, wrapping it up here on the Kevin Stefanski Show, all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. I feel like I have people in the building that can tell me the truth. And I think that's really important because I don't want this to be a place where I don't get the truth from our guys. This is the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. Here are your hosts, Nathan Zagura and Gerard Cherry. Fans, mark your calendars for Face Off on the Lake, presented by Meyer, the first major outdoor hockey game at First Energy Stadium. On February 18th, it's the Ohio State Buckeyes and the Michigan Wolverines. Tickets are on sale now, starting at just $12. For more information, visit firstenergystadium.com slash faceoff or call 440-891-5050. That's 440-891-5050. Nathan Zagura, Gerard Cherry with you in our final segment. Gerard, stock up step up let's start with stock up whose stock is up headed into thursday night against the steelers oh look at the office and take a pick of what player but i'll start with the quarterback jacoby Brissett. your stock is rising high my friend you looked amazing on sunday it's a shame with such a great effort you can't get any credit for it because of squad loss and I'm going to go with the guy catching a lot of his passes, nine of them over 100 yards, Amari Cooper. His releases are a thing of beauty to watch, the way he gets off the line of scrimmage. And yes. Carolina, it was effective. They tackled him a few times. We got penalties for it, but they limited him out there. In this one, he was the number one guy, and you love to see it. That's why he was brought here. What a what a, just a beautiful route runner he is. All right, step up. I'm pretty sure we're going to have the same one here, but who's got to step up? <laughs> oh, I, I, I want to just say the secondary. It's really yes. simple for me. I won't even go individual because at this point I don't know what's going on with the secondary and the cause, but it's really simple. You can't blow coverages and cost your team a game two weeks in a row almost where you could potentially be 0-2 when you had games won outright because you're the better squad. So communicate. Do the things that basically you do in Pop Warner and Pee Wee football. That's the, it's that simple, Nathan. So for me, the DBs need to all step up. I'm going to agree with you times infinity. That's the group that needs to step up. But I'll throw out another name. Alex Wright. We know we won't have Jadevian Clowney. We might not have Miles Garrett, the Browns' third-round pick out of the University of Alabama, Birmingham. He's going to have to play a big role. And I dump Isaiah Thomas and Isaac Rochelle right. into that as well. But we're going to need those young defensive ends to step up and get some pressure on Mitch Trubisky. It's all coming your way in just two days. Thursday night football. The Browns and the Steelers at First Energy Stadium. Coverage will 
start four hours prior to kickoff all along the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns radio network. So you got that to look forward to coming up here on Thursday night. Want to thank tonight. Our coordinating producer, Michael Bohm. For executive producer, Jason Gibbs. And for Gerard Cherry, I'm Nathan Zagura thanking you for listening to the Kevin Stefanski Show on the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network. You've been listening to the Coach Kevin Stefanski Show. Join us next week at this time for more from the head coach of the Cleveland Browns. This broadcast is a copyright of the Cleveland Browns and the National Football League. Any other use of this broadcast, descriptions, or accounts without the prior consent of the NFL is strictly prohibited. This is the University Hospitals Cleveland Browns Radio Network. The only show dedicated to Cleveland sports in the morning. The Ken Carmen Show with Anthony Lima. Weekday mornings starting at 6. When there's news that affects the Cleveland football fan, Daryl Ryder is on top of every headline. Listen for his reports all season long on the station with the most local sports talk in town. 92.3 The Fan. You're listening to the University Hospital's Cleveland Browns Radio Network.